When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Hello and welcome to another Headlines episode on these Headlines episodes. We cover the latest and greatest in environmental headlines. And if you're wondering why on earth do I do this every week, The short answer is I do this because environmental news tends to get buried in the news cycle, doesn't it? So we're amplifying these stories, and let's get right into story number one today, which is all about a drop in deforestation rates in the Amazon. Last week, the Brazilian government announced that the deforestation rate dropped roughly 34% in the last six months of 2023, compared to that same period of time in the previous year. This decrease does coincide with the new president taking office in January. He did pledge to protect the rainforest and reverse ballooning deforestation. The numbers seem to support that pledge. Illegal deforestation in Brazil is often caused by people taking land and raising it to sell for soybean farming or cattle grazing. A small minority of farmers is responsible for most of the destruction. In 2021, Brazil recorded its highest annual rate of deforestation in 15 years, with some 5,100 square miles of rainforest lost. These days, more resources are being allocated to fight illegal deforestation. Fines are issued by the Brazilian Institute of Environment and Renewable Natural Resources. Those fines, the fines that they're giving out, they rose by 116% in the first six months of this year. Now, some other good news here with regard to deforestation in the Amazon is that Brazil's federal environmental agency has strengthened remote surveillance, where deforestation can be detected through satellite imagery. And another strategy is to seize thousands of illegally raised cattle within these embargoed areas. This is effective because it inflicts immediate punishment, whereas the fines that are given out to people who are doing illegal activities... They are rarely paid, and the reason is because Brazil has a very slow appeals process. Now, officials do acknowledge that while deforestation in Brazil has slowed, it has not stopped. From January to June of this year, more than 1,000 square miles of forest was raised. And this is still, by the way, if you don't know what... 1,000 square miles is in terms of size. It's still an area more than three times the size of New York City. We're moving on to droughts in the western United States. When drought-stricken rivers and reservoirs run low, hydropower dries up and utilities fire up hundreds of power plants that burn coal or oil or natural gas to keep up with demand for electricity. 
A Stanford University study found that this often overlooked consequence of droughts dramatically increased carbon emissions and methane leakage and local air pollution and deaths caused by poor air quality. Authors of this study estimate the total health and economic damages from drought-induced fossil electricity generation between 2001 and 2021 in Western states here in the U.S. amounted to, get ready for this, hold on to your hats, $20 billion with the cost of carbon emissions accounting for the lion's share of that damage coming in at $14 billion. The study's lead author stated, and I quote, if we want to solve this issue, we need an even greater expansion of renewable energy alongside better energy storage so that we don't need to tap into fossil fuels as much. Ultimately, to limit future warming and the drought risks that come with it, we need to reduce our emissions. End quote. Next up, we are moving on to invasive worms in the Arctic. I hope you like worms because this story is all about worms. Worms are taking over territory in the far north that has been wormless since the Ice Age. So we're in the Arctic. Traditionally, it doesn't have any worms, but worms are taking over. Scientists say the expansion will inevitably change northern ecosystems with implications for the whole planet, not just the Arctic. We probably don't even understand the full implications, yet we probably can't undo them either. Now, in much of the temperate world, those of us in temperate climates, shoveling up a ground full of earthworms is a sign of healthy soil, is it not? We want worms in our gardens, don't we? Worms are a sign of soil that's full of flora and fungi and good bacteria. But that's not the case in the Arctic and in subarctic zones. Worms in these zones have the potential to upend the natural balance of such ecosystems. They can encourage the growth of certain plants at the expense of others, which alters the entire food web and squeezes out the rare native flora that's already threatened by climate change. And worms can also trigger microbial activity that unlocks potent greenhouse gases that are stored in the soil. Now, you might be wondering, well, how on earth did these worms get to the Arctic? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> Research shows that humans have been bringing them, intentionally and unintentionally, to remote places above the Arctic Circle since at least the middle of the 1800s by importing soil for lawns and gardens and for use as fishing bait. Recent increases in travel to these areas also contribute to the invasion. I'm thinking about the episode that I put out last week about travel, if you missed it. Although worms have been brought to the Arctic since the 1800s, they are now able to survive and reproduce because of the thawing permafrost that's caused by global warming. Warmer temperatures, thawing permafrost, more worms. Now, can anything be done to get rid of these worms in the Arctic? Unfortunately, as long as temperatures continue to rise, the changes are probably irreversible because earthworms are really difficult to eradicate. Once they're established in the soil, worms don't even need to find a partner of the opposite sex to multiply. They're hermaphrodites, which means they have both male and female reproductive organs. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, how much of a problem are these earthworms really how much of a difference are they really making to the Arctic? 
Well, early research indicates that the earthworms could have the same effect on plant productivity as a three degrees Celsius rise in temperature. What does that mean? That means that typical Arctic temperatures are too cold for decomposers like fungi and bacteria to break down organic matter effectively, which causes a lack of nutrients in the soil, which inhibits plant growth. But now that worms are moving nutrients down to where the plant roots are, taller, scrubbier plants are more likely to survive in the Arctic, which stick out of the snow. So when plants stick out of the snow, more heat is absorbed, which contributes to more snow melt and further increased warming. You might need to rewind and listen to all that again because there's some deep stuff in there, but little worms can cause big global issues. That's the take-home message. Listeners, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to discuss the ways in which HGTV is making our homes boring and making us sad. I'll see you in a minute. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we're back. Before the break, we discussed some good news. The Amazon's rate of deforestation is dropping Then we discussed how droughts in the Western U.S. increase global warming. And then finally, we discussed invasive worms in the Arctic. Now we're on to recent research that finds that HGTV, so the channel, the home renovation channel, which I personally love, is making our homes boring and all of us homeowners sad. A pair of professors found that home renovation media leads homeowners to decorate for the masses and not for their own happiness. On a typical HGTV makeover show, 
the before sequence usually shows, you know, a cluttered and outdated home. And it implies that the home is embarrassing and needs to be redone, doesn't it? I mean, I watch HDTV all the time and the before scenes are like, oh, you feel so bad for the couple. These homes that are very clearly lived in are just, they just need a renovation. They just need a quick eight week something, pick me up and all will be fine. Well, the researchers coined the term market-reflected gaze to describe what happens when we watch these shows and we imagine this type of scrutiny happening if friends or family came over and were to see our own homes. Market-reflected gaze. Market-reflected gaze happens when we see everything that's wrong with our home and we imagine when people come to our home that they're also criticizing and scrutinizing and judging our homes. This market-reflected gaze that we've adopted by watching TV makes people feel, according to the researchers, uneasy about the decisions they make in their homes, and so they're always somewhat fearful about getting it wrong. So they're always kind of fearful that they're making decisions that will make their home less appealing to buyers, even if these homeowners have no plans to put it on the market. The common wisdom is that when you buy a home, there's two main benefits. You can build wealth and you can modify the space for your own tastes. But this research study found that these two benefits to buying a home actually conflict with each other. This market-reflected gaze is actually creating a shift towards standardization in which we're all upgrading our homes to look exactly the same, cookie-cutter-ish, if you will. And so I wanted to cover this story today, this new research today, because it is, of course, incredibly wasteful to constantly renovate your home to keep up with trends. So an example here would be a white kitchen, right? That has been on trend for years, but now darker kitchens are making a resurgence. And so when we're ripping out perfectly good kitchens and replacing them because they have the wrong color for the trend for the season that's happening, that message needs to change because the environmental impact is so huge. Construction waste, including waste created from renovations, accounts for between 10 and 30 percent of waste in landfills worldwide. And an EPA study found that the average residential renovation produces more than 22 pounds of waste per square foot. So let's put that into real numbers. If your kitchen and dining area is 200 square feet, if you decide to renovate it to look like something you saw on HGTV, you're going to generate more than two tons of construction debris that's going straight to a landfill. So what's the problem here? The problem is that HGTV tends to make the majority of homeowners want to renovate their homes to the latest standards that they see on, again, HGTV. But because those standards, because those kitchens, let's say, that we see on HGTV, they're constantly changing, the trends are constantly changing, these homeowners then will look around at the end of their renovation and start thinking about their next renovation. Listeners, I will see you next Tuesday for our regularly scheduled interview where we are discussing the rising gender-neutral clothes movement for kids. We'll discuss that on Tuesday. Have an amazing weekend and take care.